0: Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of the Dessert People podcast. My name is Sean Lavellet, and my pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined by my wife and lovely co-host.
1: Hi, I am Cheyenne Lavellet, and my pronouns are she, her. Yeah, so we are starting a podcast, apparently. (laughs) We are both big Claire Saffitz fans, and Claire is from St. Louis, where we live, So we just got her book, uh, Dessert People. Sorry, Dessert Person. We're the dessert people. Um, And we're kind of looking for a creative thing to do while we're mostly at home due to the pandemic in these trying times. And so we thought, why not start a podcast?
0: What our idea is, is that we're going to be picking one recipe to bake in each episode. We're going to bake it together in our own home kitchen. And then we're going to discuss it here on the podcast. We're going to talk about... What we liked about the recipe, what went well, what didn't go well, maybe whether we would do it again, if we would do anything differently in the future. Just to be very clear about the podcast, this is a complete fan cast. We are not (laughs) affiliated in any sense with Claire Saffitz. Would love to be. Would love to be. She's great. (laughs) But we we are just people who like to bake and who really like this book.
1: Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about our baking background?
0: Absolutely, yes,
1: I think I'm probably the more practiced banker of the two of us. I grew up baking with my grandma. uh, she taught me how to bake pies. I think was the first thing we ever worked on, but I've always loved baking desserts, so I grew up mostly baking pies, cakes, bread, rolls, things like that, and yeah, it's always been something that I've found pretty relaxing. I joke about that I stress bake so generally, like. During graduate studies or finals, I would always be baking something. I once baked baguettes in the tiny oven of my college dorm during finals week because I just needed to do something creative. So yeah, it's always been my kind of outlet in that way.
0: I, however, am not a seasoned baker. I grew up cooking with my mom a lot. We would watch the cooking channel a lot. We would watch Iron Chef. So cooking... And making dinner was something I did a lot growing up. But my dad also did not like sweets. He didn't like any sweet dessert or sugary thing. And it was just my mom and my dad and I growing up. And so it sort of felt like pointless for us to bake something because only two of us can eat it. So I'm coming into this with much fresher eyes and an unseasoned technique or background. I actually think that I'm a, a very good target audience for, for Claire because she says in the book, that everyone can bake and that there are no just cooks and that there are people that are just don't know that they are ready to cook and don't know that they like to, I'm sorry, people that don't know that they like to bake and that haven't tried it before.
1: Yeah, that first part was the plot to ratatouille.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so without any more introduction, let's talk about our first bake.
1: So our first bake uh, this week is going to be the coffee coffee cake which is an adorable name, and rightly so, as there's a lot of coffee in this cake. First thing we want to talk about is the difficulty. We did pick one of the easiest bakes in the book to kind of start (laughs) this journey, because we're not mean to ourselves, and we're saving those more difficult ones for (laughs) later. But Claire has this really brilliant tool in the front of the book that is a matrix of difficulty and time commitment to the bake. So coffee cake, coffee, coffee cake falls in uh, the low difficulty, low time commitment. And that's what we were really looking for. So I think it held to that pretty pretty easily. We, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, and we basically had everything we needed for it. Um, yeah,
0: it didn't require any sort of special techniques or skill.
1: No, which is good, because we have very few of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so before we jump into how the recipe and the bake went for us, we want to give a little background, a little history on... What it is we're baking.
1: He says we. It's him. He's a history
0: major. I'm a history major, so I really like history, and I think this stuff is fun. So a coffee cake dates back to the 17th century and is basically created in Germany originally, and it is a yeasted cake that was eaten with, surprise, surprise, coffee. And uh, people in Europe are, are figuring out that they love coffee, they love tea, so they create the coffee cake. Claire's Saffitz's coffee cake, however, as you can tell from the title of Coffee Coffee Cake, is jazzed up with adding actual brewed coffee and instant coffee. So I was rather surprised to find out that a coffee cake doesn't normally have coffee in it. Coffee cake is also the base for Claire's gooey butter cake recipe, which is a St. Louis classic bake that people think was adapted from German immigrants who came to St. Louis, started baking coffee cake, And then the city created the beautiful creation called Gooey Butter Cake, which we will get into in a later episode, for those of you who aren't from St. Louis.
1: (laughs) And we'll discuss whether or not we want to call it a beautiful bake or not. (laughs) We are a home divided. Some of
0: us don't like necessarily to eat Gooey
1: Butter Cake. You know what I did think about, though? Our home was built in 1904 in a neighborhood that was built up by German immigrants, and the first Gooey Butter Cake could have been made in this exact house.
0: That's pretty beautiful. <laughs> and Claire Sappets is Gully really Butter Cake will be made in this house, eventually.
1: Eventually. So now we'll talk about kind of what the recipe is like. One good thing about this taking place during the year 2020 is that it did call for instant coffee, which normally we don't keep in the house, but... We had recently purchased some. I say recently, like five months ago. Probably
0: six months what ago. Is time? Eight months ago.
1: <laughs> um, we had purchased some for the all powerful Dalgona coffee that was everywhere on everyone's timelines at the beginning of this mess. And we made about two of those. So we had quite a bit of instant coffee left over. But there are three different parts of the recipe, and they all include coffee. So really, it should have been a coffee, coffee, coffee cake. Yeah. Um, but there's the coffee cake itself, and then there's a coffee crumb topping, which we'll get into later, and uh, the coffee ribbon in the middle, which is really a beautiful touch. really ties it all together. It really
0: The ribbon, I think, was is a really good part of the space.
1: Anything's better when you put a ribbon on Definitely. it. Definitely. So we did find our KitchenAid mixer made a huge difference. I can't imagine mixing all this stuff up together. It was a large amount of batter. <laughs> I'll say that. And having that KitchenAid mixer to whip it all up was very helpful.
0: When you get into this bake, there, it has these three parts of it, and they all are pretty significant. So you're going to need a lot of counter space and a lot of...
1: A lot of bowls. A lot
0: of bowls for this. And so having that stand mixer is really helpful because you're going to be mixing up a bunch of things and then assembling them all, all together in one baking... Cake. Cake. <laughs> cake in a, in, a, in a cake tan, yeah.
1: So... uh Sean was the one who did most of the assembly on this part. I was overseeing. And uh, from that vantage point, I can tell you that the coffee smell was amazing. The whole time that we were mixing this up and then once it was in the oven as well, um, I feel like if you're a realtor trying to sell a house, forget the apple pie, just bake this and people will love it because it will make the home smell so, so good.
0: In In addition to the instant coffee that is used, Used in I believe all three of the sections of this bake, the coffee cake, one of the wet ingredients is brewed coffee, which I found really interesting to provide the moisture in the in the wet ingredient in the cake
1: yeah and never i've really
0: never I've never baked with brewed coffee before,
1: and it smelled amazing
0: <laughs> it, did, it did smell quite good, and so the this bake is pretty straightforward as far as difficulty. You're going to mix your wet ingredients. You're going to mix your dry ingredients. The the couple extra steps are maybe adding, mixing together your crumb topping, mixing together your ribbon, and then you're just going to layer everything down. You're going to put down one half layer of your cake batter. Then you put down your coffee ribbon. And then on top of that, another layer of cake batter. And then on top goes your crumb topping. So really, I would say this is maybe like a step, one step above a boxed cake mix. You're just using ingredients that you find anywhere in your pantry and just kind of putting them into bowls.
1: So, Sean, how did it go?
0: Okay, so that's an interesting question. So there are different parts that went well in different ways, and maybe some of them didn't go well. The first step that Claire lists in her recipe is to generously butter the bottom of a 13 by 9 inch pan and set aside. And we did not do that. We didn't have a 13 by 9 inch pan.
1: And reader, they
0: didn't. (laughs) And we thought, you know, I'm sure it'll go fine in another shape. And so we used actually a round springform pan, and we'll get back to that later. That was an interesting choice on our part.
1: (laughs) Um, Mixing and creating the batter um, and all the parts went pretty great. Like I said, it it smelled nice. Um, It was nice to just kind of stand there and kind of see it come all together. Um, I was running the mixer as Sean kind of prepared all of the different things, and then I was mixing them in um, because you have to add things kind of at- their times, like, add eggs one at a time and things like that. So while he was preparing things, I was adding things in. So it, it went pretty quickly thanks to both of us, I think.
0: It did. And the batter you make is, I mean, it was a very wet, thin batter. Not necessarily thin, but a very wet batter. Very pourable. And, I mean, it is, it is beautiful. Like, you're going to look at all the butter and all of the coffee. And especially as someone who doesn't bake frequently, it was like, wow, I'm really baking. Like, this looks, this is something really good. I'm really doing something here. <laughs> so the thing that we found very helpful and a lot of people who bake or cook frequently will probably know what this is, but we had all of our all of our main bowls together and all of our ingredients would go into those things. But something that we since there's so many ingredients and so many moving parts in this bake, I was in charge of mise en place, which is the French term for everything in its place, which is a very common Baking and cooking term where you, you essentially put all of your ingredients into their own individual little bowls or sections, and then you can take a bowl, put it where it goes, take a bowl, put it where it goes very quickly and easily. So I was in charge of doing that and assembling things into their sections, either by wet ingredients, dry ingredients, crumb topping, coffee ribbon. And then Cheyenne mixed them up, mixed up <laughs> basically mixed everything up. Just put, yeah.
1: But it is really helpful. You watch a lot of like cooking shows on, on YouTube or um, and you see them have like everything in the little bowls and you think that's mostly for presentation because it looks nice to be like, oh, and two teaspoons of salt. And you're like, well, why would I do that? I'm just going to pour it out of the salt thing. But it, it does really help. It's actually effective to have all those little things set out because then everything's measured. You're not like measuring over the bowl, which can sometimes cause accidents. Not, not, a, not a great idea. Not a great yeah, idea, no. especially with salt. Don't love that. Um, so it is really helpful. Fun little hack that probably everyone knows. Probably
0: everybody knows, but I'm a big proponent of it. When I cook, I find it very fun to put everything in little bowls.
1: Sean loves buying new little bowls, and he'll say, well, we can use en place with them. Yeah. (laughs) Because we can't with the 40 we already have.
0: So, our bake. Cheyenne, how did our bake go?
1: So, the baking, you know, we really had them in the first half. (laughs) It um, it was really going well. It was smelling amazing. It was looking beautiful. I had Mm -hmm. a high high hopes for both the rise and the outcome of this bake. It wasn't until about 20 minutes in that the concerns started to come forth. That pan choice that we made in the beginning really came back to bite us, I think, because the cake had a lot of great rise. We were seeing it rise up, but it was that crumb coating, which was delicious, but pretty heavy. It's, you know, it's thick, it's crumbly. Um, The pieces are, are dense, so there's a lot of weight to it. And because the cake was kind of squished into this springform pan, um, it was a lot thicker and had a lot less surface area. So the crumb coating sitting on top of that was like a dead weight. Um, So we began to see as it rose, the edges rose a lot more and were looking really great. Um, The crumb topping was looking really crispy on there. And the middle of the cake Began to uh, dip down a little bit, maybe feeling a little depressed in there. Yep, um, and yep, I started to yep. wonder, oh, I think that we may have put too much chrome coating on it, and it's weighing it down because it's not rising like it should.
0: And once we actually took it out of the oven and let it cool, the middle sunk down even more.
1: Bet you didn't to, see that coming to
0: the point where the the cake was the top of the cake was concave.
1: And we did insert several skewers throughout the baking process. I think we gave it an extra 15 minutes we just did. because yeah. it was still coming out yeah, pretty wet uh, even after the full baking time. So we knew we had messed up at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually the skewer did come out clean. So we thought, all right, we're, we're pretty good here. And that's when we brought it out. And yeah, it did, it did totally create a, a nice little bowl, a yeah. cake bowl, really. Yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely. If it would have been in the right pan, the the cake itself would have been less thick. It would have had more surface area for the crumb coating to disperse onto, and it would have baked more evenly. For sure. And we have since ordered the right pan <laughs> for the next time that we bake with something like this. We've learned our lesson that actually the pan that they recommend is pretty important.
1: Who would have thought?
0: So uh, let's talk about taste. How did it taste, Cheyenne?
1: Well, it depends on which part of the cake you took a bite from. Sure, so sure. So the edge of the cake, amazing. Fantastic, lovely. It was had a great crumb. The texture of the crumb topping on top was delicious. Uh, the coffee ribbon you could really see, and it was a fun little, little surprise in there. Um, it was only when you got towards the middle of the cake um, that you got to get that real nice... Stodgy, as Paul Hollywood might say.
0: It's raw dough.
1: It wasn't quite raw dough, yeah. but if you like a fudgy brownie, you might have been like, mm, but I don't think anyone wants a fudgy uh, coffee cake. No, it's
0: not what you're after. It no, was not no.
1: ideal. We did not eat that part.
0: But, but I think that when you, the parts that we did eat that were properly baked were really good. And I really actually liked the addition of the coffee ribbon and i thought that that was like a little jolt of extra flavor in in this cake which is to be honest this is going to sound silly but pretty cakey
1: was it really With,
0: yeah which you know is not always which 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 can be kind of I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but... Some
1: people don't like it. Like, I'm a pie person. I would much rather have a nice pie than cake.
0: I, yeah, and... and, and the I, ribbon
1: really changes it. The cake. ribbon
0: changes it because it cuts through kind of the bread, the breadiness, the flouriness of the cake itself.
1: Yeah, and gives it a little something. And... And it's pretty to look at. Like, if you just got is. a... If we had been able to cut it nicely and got a cross-section on that, it would mm-hmm. have looked better than just if you were, a, you know, like a white cake. That doesn't look nice. Right, That's absolutely. why we invented frosting
0: if we're thinking about things to do in the future for this bake what would we do differently about this
1: get the this? right heckin pan <laughs> i think that's the
0: like that's the that's really the kicker isn't it get the right pan considering the, the rest of this book this is one of the easier bakes in the book and if we're going to do some of these more complicated things like what's the one that's in here that is just absolutely the one that's like bananas if
1: you can't get the it's tears of a cro-, made.
0: cro oh here's a french big french word crochambeau Crochembouche,
1: sure. yeah, saveur.
0: That's gonna be like you know last episode probably, but
1: <laughs> the big finale, the
0: big, the big tada. But but what we're saying is you got you want to get the right tools, and I know that's gonna sound silly to people who are perhaps more bake more experienced in baking than me, but it is it is critical.
1: I will say I think. Claire, if you're listening, I think that uh, she would be very supportive of us kind of winging it and just being like, we're going to pick the right tools. Because something she says in the beginning of the book is that people like to think that that is the way you think about cooking. That cooking right. is very like impulsive and fly at to your pants and just like add a little bit of this, a little dash of that. And it's very like kind of free in that way. And mm. then baking is more seen as like, oh, this exact science and you have to weigh out your ingredients. And that's why it's more intimidating to people. And she wants to, in the book, make people feel that creativity and kind of winging it um, expression in baking. So right. I think we nailed that part, Absolutely,
0: Absolutely. Because we're, we, when we got through, when we started the bake, we realized we didn't have the right pan. And that we've already psyched ourselves up to have coffee cake. <laughs> and we didn't want to go out and buy a pan or wait to order a pan. And we thought, let's, let's just try it. Let's just try something different and put it in this pan.
1: Go out to buy a pan in this economy? I
0: know. Maybe if I were to do it the same way again, but change something other than the pan, I would add less crumb topping.
1: Oh, yeah. If we would have, like, cut down the batter and put less crumb topping on, especially in the middle. Yeah. Because I feel like we had extra crumb topping, so just kind of it got piled on. It, we had
0: so... We used all the crumb topping.
1: And that was like... But that was... Baking it with pie weights on yeah, top, Yeah, right, right,
0: right, right, right. And so... Honestly, I wouldn't I would call this one a success because what we baked and what we ate was good.
1: We tried something and for the 45% of it, it tasted good. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> so for our last segment, um we've decided to call this The Patisserie Window. Um and that is just that we don't only love Claire Saffitz and the cookbook dessert person. Um we're also big just foodies in general and really Love following our favorite chefs and our our local favorites, um, so we wanted to have a little bit of a ending segment where we got to highlight some of those some of those other passions. So we're calling it the patisserie window because what better way to describe looking in and seeing something tasty than a patisserie window?
0: So Cheyenne, tell us what are you looking at in the patisserie window this episode?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, So mine actually is a little uh, on left field. It is a game, and it is called Cake Bash. If you've played Fall Guys, and you've watched the Great British Baking Show, it's if those two things decided to have a baby and make that baby available on the Nintendo Switch. Um, So it is like you play as all these different little cakes and eclairs and cupcakes and little cream-filled treaties, And you're basically running around doing all these different little mini games. Um, There's one where you have to throw cherries to land in the middle of a Bakewell tart, which is so cute. Um, There's one where you are out on the patio and you have to protect a birthday cake from wasp by, like, hitting the wasp away. And it's fun. You can play it online um, with people. It's multiplayer. So it's a good, fun little thing to do when you can't actually go out and have Fun patisserie with your friends. You can get on the internet and pretend like you are a patisserie with your friends because that's the kind of world we live in. That's but, very uh, cute. It is very cute. You need to play it with me. <laughs> so, um, if anyone wants to hit me up for my switch code, let me know. So, Sean, what are you looking at in the patisserie window?
0: Well, it's gotta be the blue macarons from The Mandalorian mm. that came out. I don't remember if I believe it was twelve episode twelve or thirteen. There's a scene where Baby Yoda goes to school, which is, first of all, extremely adorable. I won't spoil anything else about the show, for those of you who are, have not watched this. But there's a scene where Baby Yoda eats a sleeve of delicious, adorable, blue macarons. And when Cheyenne and I were watching this episode, we just we both pointed the screen and looked at each other and said, Those are macarons! <laughs> because we have baked macarons, well, I say we. Cheyenne has baked a lot of macarons throughout our... Marriage for weddings, parties, that kind of thing, and I'm a very enthusiastic eater of macarons. (laughs) And so when we saw these blue macarons, we were extremely excited. They have since semi-blown up the internet. There are they are on YouTube where people can watch YouTubers make them. They are also featured at our local bakery, which we are huge fans of. Our local St. Louis bakery. It's called La Patisserie Choquette, a female black-owned business. They do amazing, amazing patisserie, pastries, desserts, cakes. They, they definitely, to integrate a lot of things that are nerd-themed, they do Harry Potter things. But they created some blue macarons just like the ones in The Mandalorian that Baby Yoda eats. If you want to hit them up on Instagram, they are at Choquette, SDL. And they do amazing work, and we we love, we love just love everything that they create.
1: Not small amount of our budget goes to Choquette.
0: Yeah, because absolutely. Because we
1: love everything they make. Um, if you need to hire uh, taste testers, please call us, Choquette.
0: Okay, well, that's our patisserie window. I think we'll catch you next time on the next episode of...
1: Do we know what we're going to bake next? People.
0: I don't think we know what we're going to bake next. Do you have any ideas?
1: I... Do not, but we have a pan now, so the sky is the limit. If you want to find out uh, what we are going to bake next time, um, we do have an Instagram. It is Pod at dessertpeoplepod on Instagram, so you can catch us there, and we'll probably be posting stories and uh, pictures of our makes there. You can also check out the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter as well. I am at clove underscore latte, and Sean?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm at 2D8. My pizza on Twitter, 2d8 as in the D&D dice. You're rolling two two eight eight-sided die. I don't
1: think any amount of time that you explain it is going to make it any better.
0: I find it very clever.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on episode two.